0: Welcome to the Nature and Science of Work podcast on Substack for July 22nd, 2022. In this podcast, In a Groove, Part 2, plus Gary Snyder and the Real Work, a tribute. Alarms 100 years ago and today about disconnecting and the hazard of disconnecting thinking work from physical work. And firefighter, worker, and poet Gary Snyder forges those very connections as strongly today as in the 1940s. For the nature and science of work, I'm Robert Levine. Thank you for joining us. In part one of In a Groove, we saw how, a century apart, two authorities on work, present-day interdisciplinary geographer Vaclav Smil and early 20th century mathematician and philosopher Alfred North Whitehead, viewed the hazards created by professionals and service sector workers becoming disconnected from physical work, the physical foundations of work and the work of making physical products. Here, we will see the broader impacts of those hazards to the biosphere, in Smill's case, and to how work gets done both in the mind and in our society, in Whitehead's case. For Vaclav Shmiel, improvements in physical work lead, of course, to more work being done. Increased amounts of work, in turn, lead to improvements in technology, in the broadest sense of that word. Those lead to increased recognition and development of energy sources and supplies to fuel the various energy transitions necessary at each step of a work process. Plentiful cheap fuel creates more uses for it and more consequences when it is neither plentiful nor cheap. Lubricants provide a telling and somewhat surprising example from Schmiel, and indeed the surprise helps make his point about how his readers have come to view and become disconnected from physical work. With regard to lubricants, nothing runs without lubricants, neither cars, trucks, machines, factories, nor ships. The volume of fuels used to produce lubricants, essential lubricants around the world, is about 60% of the amount used in all edible oils produced around the world. For anyone working in a factory or a ship, the constant need for lubricants is obvious. One is either applying them oneself regularly, seeing someone else do so, or dealing with the unpleasant or catastrophic consequences of not doing so. But uh, engaged in service sector work, well, one's awareness of this essential product and process, one's awareness is not so much. If at all, I have worked in jobs where those lubricants were essential and visible, yet my first reaction to this focus of Smeal's was still lubricants. So I am exhibit A of the consequences of increased work in professional and service sectors and increased work in those jobs corroding and vacating one's thinking and understanding of the fundamentals of work, of physical work, and of how the fundamentals of work affect the world. Any of us can go days, weeks, months, years in a modern office or work from home setting without thinking about a lubricant in relation to our work. We therefore don't see that they are required, though our hidden like the silica mine described in part one and their physical necessity, for instance, for jet airplane travel, escapes us when we're considering the now somewhat quaint prospect of a business trip, or their necessity for making each part of the hardware that makes the software, that makes the international or every day, business meeting from your home possible. Later in this podcast, we will hear about the firefighter, seaman, worker, and poet Gary Snyder. Those same lubricants are visible and tangible. It's not only to the daily work that Gary did, but to his poems about it as he navigates the seas as a seaman as he goes forward in his work doing just what we're describing here, not applying lubricant to that ship, to the portions of the ship, because he's been ordered to, but because without it, the ship won't move. He and all of his crew will be actually stranded in the middle of the ocean not just stranded, but stranded in a ship that has just become useless and worthless to the crew and to those who are shipping on it and to its owners for the want of some oil, for the want of the understanding of the importance of that oil applied as a lubricant in the right place and the right time, for the want of that the ship is lost. We are detached from the physical work that is an essential part of each step and each moment of that ship, of that ship's journey, of the goods that are shipped by it that you use and think nothing of the, that essential step in bringing it to you, of that trip, of that Trip now being able to make made from home. What detaches us? We are detached only by actively blinkered views and visions of what work is and how work gets done. That is Smeal's current caution to us. And what about Whitehead? Alfred North Whitehead's parallel concern is that professional training and education of any kind, produces what he calls minds in a groove. A groove necessarily keeps a mind from contemplating other grooves in the course of work or from straying across country. But doing just that is essential, Whitehead says, for the functioning of society, that is, of the economy, of science, and of democracy. Yet stuck in a groove, he says, we have fewer minds capable of and practiced at doing what's needed to move across country in a skilled manner at the times that that is needed the most. Those who do so, he adds, as a consequence of the nature of professional training and education as it has developed, those who do so are often those not suited to doing good work at all. A century apart, Whitehead's and Smeal's observations and diagnoses dovetail. Whitehead made his observations soon after science came to be understood as a discipline and profession as compared with natural philosophy. And a push to training professionals in science at scale began. Likewise, professional training in schools in medicine and law were growing in many countries. Those methods were also entering training for professionals in non-university settings and as part of secondary education and vocational education. The fixed person, is produced in Whitehead's terms, the fixed person for the fixed duties worked when things were fixed, but not once they changed and as they were changing. Smeal would recognize that continued pursuit of fixed duties and fixed work produces changes that, accumulated over time, were not always intended or desirable. Instead, the mind in a groove, doing work in a groove, perceiving only that groove, accumulating work, products, improvements, and the energy transitions required for them, that mind in a groove would not see the cloud no bigger than a hand moving slowly in the sky, casting its shadow now on two parallel grooves leading onward, leading onward to where the derailment was about to occur, or already had. The first of these two is simply work in a groove. The groove produced by information work is like any other groove produced by work. The second, though, is a more specific characteristic of work in a groove with information, and that is Information is already abstract, already divorced from physical work, from the physical reality bringing a programmer and a professor their problems, solutions, food, followers, and pay. The two grooves, then, twin Whitehead's prescient alarm with Smeal's current catastrophe, it is essential that you and I, that each of us, are instead seeing, through both Whitehead and Smil, seeing the physical and biological reality underneath each moment of your daily work, each moment of each work process. Doing so frees you, allows you, allows each of us to focus on seeing and doing the real work of working each day in ways that provide tomorrows to work in for ourselves and for our living co-workers on earth. Keep seeing nature in work, and work in nature. We conclude with an acknowledgement and tribute to Gary Snyder and to the real work. In the conclusion of the In a Groove piece, that phrase, the phrase, the real work, arises from a book, from a chapter, and also from a poem, each titled, with that phrase, The Real Work, by firefighter, logger, seaman, poet, professor, and winner of the Pulitzer Prize, Gary Snyder. Snyder was honored recently, at age 92, by the release of a thick volume from the Library of America, Gary Snyder Collected Poems and also by a remarkable online event of thoughtful and famous people reading his poems and commenting on them, including emphasizing the plain, direct way that Gary writes about work in his poems. His first poem in his first collection is set at work at a fire lookout. His second poem, is about logging. Logging is then also the title and topic of an extended poem in his next collection, and on from there, all the way to the new poem that he read to conclude the recent event in his honor. Here, I had written these two pieces titled In a Groove before learning of the event in Gary's honor and realized that in his work and in his writing, Gary Snyder does exactly what Whitehead and Smeal say is essential, to understand and experience directly the physical and the biological reality underneath all work, cognitive work, professional work, services work, and especially physical work. The phrase, the real work, concluded this second In a Groove piece well before the tribute event. So, the tribute here, then, is not that that phrase was inserted as a tribute, but instead that it was always there. A future nature and science of work explore and integrate pair will dive into the real work in one of its original forms and bring it to daily work and life, as Gary already has. Once again, keep seeing nature in work and work in nature. Finally, a publishing and program note. The Nature and Science of Work will next publish on Thursday, September 8th for the newsletter and on Friday, September 9th for the podcast. For the Nature and Science of Work, I'm Robert Levine. Thank you for listening.